And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining our online Brave Maker experience as well as the Brave Maker podcast. My name is Tony Gapiso, and I'm one of your co-hosts today. And I'm Christina Jackson. I'm your other co-host. Hey, Tony. Hey, Christina. We've been doing this. We've been uh, chatting it off live here for the past three hours with different people. It's been so, super fun. So it's our last one, TGIF, saving yep. the best for last, maybe. Uh, I am super excited for our our guest today, because this uh, guest I have to call out, I heard on a podcast uh, almost a year ago, I heard on the Just Shoot It podcast. So this is a shout out to Oren Kaplan and Matt Enlow, who did the Just Shoot It podcast for the past five years. They had our guest Josh Rubin on their podcast in January 2020, pretty much. And he was talking about his film, that he was going to be premiering at Sundance. Then I think I thought, oh, I got to get a ticket to this show called Scare Me. I saw his film at Sundance. I was like, I fell in love with Scare Me. And then I've been stalking him and his team ever since, trying to get him on the Brave Maker show. And here we are, September 2020. And finally, we get to have Josh Rubin. Hello. Josh Rubin. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here, Josh. We are huge fans. Christina just got to see the film last night, thanks to your PR team. And I watched it again for the third time today. So I feel like I'm super ready to jump in and dive in and talk all things scare me. Oh, man, let's do it. God bless you. <laughs> so uh, give us a quick little snippet because I want to show the trailer. But this has been a long time coming. This is your feature film directorial debut. Uh, how in the world did it get started? Why did this thing get birthed into the world? Uh, there's a three-part uh, DNA to it. So the, the first of which was I was tired of just directing commercials, and I knew, especially after reading <clears throat> Mark and J. Duplass's book, Like Brothers, and with encouragement from a manager, no one's going to spoon-feed you the opportunity to make a movie. You just got to do it yourself. And um, I went ahead and took – a significant amount of money out of my 401k actually from college humor, which you're not supposed to do, but I was like, what the hell I'm going to go for it. Uh, and, um, at the same time, especially, you know, previous to that in the script writing process, it was, I began writing at the height or the beginnings of the me too movement. And so I was having a lot of conversations with women, friends, um, female identifying friends who'd been, um, uh, abuse victims of various kinds and who, um, who had sort of, uh, were the victims of sort of different degrees of gender dynamics in the face of emasculated, typically white men. And I thought, not only do I want to make sort of a horror film that's rewatchable, but I want to yeah. target that feeling um, and those 
sorts of dynamics. And that's, that's how I guess we got here so quickly. Hopefully it's because I had something to say. I was angry writing. You, so wait, when you say quick, how long from penning the script to production to now, what's the process? I believe the first draft I popped out in three days in April of 2018. And then we were shooting January, 2019. So we were in prep late October. It happened very, very quickly. So, okay. So I, I'm, I love this film so much, everybody, just so you know, I don't say that about a lot of things. I really don't gush over guests this much, but this film has so much to say about so many things. Like he said about women, about the writing process, about creativity and storytelling in general, that it is so layered. I mean, this, this film, I keep talking about like to horror, to see if people like horror. Some people are like, oh, I don't like horror. I'm like, well, okay, do you like comedy? Yeah, I love comedy. Okay, well, then, then you need to watch this. Well, I'm not so much into comedy. I really like horror, but then you're going to love it. Do you like to talk about the screenwriting, the meta pro- the process of, of creating a story? Yes, then you have to watch it. It's like a master class. So before yeah. I, ch- I chat anymore, let me just pull up the the trailer because we've got to watch the trailer. It's so good. And then we're going to dive right in. I see people are already jumping on and saying hello. So hello to all of you who are in the comments already. Stay tuned. You're going to ask all your comments and, and that kind of stuff. It doesn't come out until October 1st. So uh, we'll have to be careful with spoilers, but let's watch the, the trailer and we'll dig in more to the whole process that Josh did with Scare Me. So stand, stand by here. Hi. Hi. And what are you running from? Running. Well, this place looks uh, haunted. I'm writing. Oh, really? Me too. So what are you working on? It's kind of a revenge story about werewolves. Have you written anything I've read? Or? I just wrote a book called um, Venus. You wrote Venus. You're a best-selling author. I'm so sorry. This road is actually only for best-selling authors, so I might kick you out. <laughs> They're not so great. Huh. Your power out! Power outage. I'm bored. Let's tell each other scary stories. After you have veggie, right? You seem like a fella who might be interested in some scary stories. And you seem correct. Hit me, Scaremaster. So, uh, there's this little boy. You hear something. Yes. This is the part in the story where the creepy strings kick in. Everything goes into slow motion. Jesus Christ, dude. It's a good story, right? It's just been done, like, I don't know, six or seven hundred times. Just because you're the best-selling author doesn't mean you get to school me on the story. Actually, yes, it does. Look at you! You are emasculated! I'm going to get you. Run, Jason! <laughs> no witnesses! Do one of about dead babies. Like an army of them? You know, they got like little baby hands. They just like, we don't want bottles, we want blood, you know? <laughs> Fred, what are you doing with that poker? This part of the story?
Take it away, Christina. What do you want to ask first? So good. The title. How did you, I mean, scare me. It's just perfect. And it was just enough to pull me in because I actually don't do real scary movies. Mm. Or of a like Chucky, like older throwback. I won't I won't do horror movies. So how did you jump in with that? It's perfect. It's perfect. Well, um, I've been a producer and even bef- before uh, before that, just coming up in the my time at College Humor, I was in the business of viral videos for so long. So everything was about like, what's the punchiest means of getting people's attention in as little amount of time as possible. And part of the reason why my first film is a genre film is because, you know, from a business perspective, genre film sells. Um, it has sort of a beloved, very loyal family. And, um, you know, taking all that in consideration, I thought, okay, well, I need a punchy ass title, uh, and scare me. There was scare me, let's scare Fred, um, uh, let's scare each other. And ultimately scare me just, you know, um, it really hit. And even though, you know, our, our lawyers did a, did a, a title search and we found that there is in fact another scare me that came out before our movie. That's very, very different from this one. We just went with it, you know, we were legally able to do it. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it was just that amalgamation of like, okay, what's the, what's the punchiest way to, to pull people in. And, and we landed on, you know, two syllables. I felt challenged ooh, reading that. Ooh. I was like, Oh man, somebody, like this is gonna be good. So it made the movie feel like an experience to have. No, oh, thank you. So I had the privilege of seeing this film in the snowy mountains of Park City, Utah at Sundance. Who knows if that was the last ever film festival we'll ever experienced like that again. I don't know. But I saw it at the library center and I'm not kidding. I saw it like around mid it wasn't exactly midnight, but I think I left around twelve thirty or one. You had already gone, so I didn't get a chance to meet you at that point. Mm. But it was just like I mean, dude, how the, how the hell did you do that in three days? The brilliance of from start to finish. The film only has really four characters. There's five if you include one small person at the end. I think the credits have five actors. But you have four mm-hmm. actors total, really two main actors the whole time, three if you include you know the pizza guy, Chris Red. I mean, it's brilliant. The monster in the house stuff that you have, the references mm-hmm. to Jaws and Misery and all these other takes that you have, Gremlin. I mean, gall- it's mind-boggling yeah. how much information you pack into this story. Like, it truly is. If you want to be a screenwriter, you've got to watch this film. If you want to write novels, you've got to watch this film. Oh, because, my God. Because there's just so much you pack into it. And people are commenting uh, here, looks really fun, love the babies, want bloodline. So dope. The acting also looks really good. Well, obviously, jo- uh, Josh Rubin here was the main actor, so it is really good. But can you just comment? I mean, how do you, how do you not have a big head with this whole thing and not like live on top of the world? I'm sure as a creative, it's not easy. It's uh, easy uh, not to. Dude, I thought my moment, my like moment was coming so many times. There have been so many missed opportunities. I've been close to getting you know cast on snl on 30 rock um you know m night Shyamalan movies and i've been doing like the hustle for a long time i went to acting school when i was 18 years old and i think maybe worst of all and best of all is i have parents especially my mom who's so supportive she was like you're gonna be the next 
Jim Carrey, like every day until like, you know, until yesterday. Um, and so with all that reject and rejection compounded when the moment like this, you know, comes around, even though I wished for it so early on and, and would have begged for it at 21, I've never been more equipped to make it and make it as quickly and efficiently with the network that I've amassed over the years um, as I was at, you know, 35 you know, um, so there's that piece of it. And then as far as the screenwriting piece of it goes is, you know, you sort of go, I'm going to write to my resources. I read Mark and J.D. Plosse's book, Like Brothers. That was a major inspiration. And also just kind of the, you know what, no one's going to spoon feed you opportunity. I, I often even bring up Steve Jobs, you know, to, to young filmmakers and young creators who ask me like, how do you do this? And the answer is like, oh, it really is like, picking up the camera and just doing it. Um, whether you have a dollar or $20,000, um, it's never going to happen unless you do the thing. Um, and so I did the thing. And part of it in the script writing process was not only, again, being angry about the world and the state of the industry, as far as the Me Too stuff was concerned, even though that's sort of, you know, uh, a, a fraction of the film, but knowing that I loved horror films, that I was going to write a um, write to my strengths as someone who loves like making noises and doing very idiosyncratic, unusual comedy, and also acting opposite a brilliant actor or actors, especially an actress that wouldn't be sexualized. That would, in fact, the opposite would be the case that she would, you know, get to do wild and crazy sort of you know unusual things and have acting challenges that she might not have otherwise had and um Aya Cash was just you know perfect and trusted me thank god she's she's incredible if you don't recognize that name Aya Cash is currently in my other obsession the boys on Amazon she plays Stormfront uh now I hadn't seen Aya in anything previously I saw her obviously in Scare Me in January 2020 and she's phenomenal but as I'm watching season two of The Boys last week or two weeks ago, whenever it came out, season two, I'm going, why does she look so familiar? And then boom, I was like, what? Mind-boggling. Good. How amazing as an actress she is. So waiting. Did you have a relationship with her? How did you get her? I knew her through her husband, Josh. We met doing voiceovers forever ago. And they actually, they have a place not far from where we shot. So we were able to not only work with an incredible actor, but we were able to work with a local um, and, and someone who was a local New York hire. And so it was, it was the best case of all, of all worlds. And I, you know, I had just done an interview, I forget for which publication, but I had it taped to my wall when we were in prep where she was like, I want to do something challenging. And she, she's made the joke since where she's like, Josh, I meant like a period piece, not like, you know, barking on the barking like a dog on the floor and crawling around in the cold and, you know, doing all these different voices and stuff. So it was sort of an easy ask. I sort of asked her directly and it, uh, it luckily she, she again trusted me. For all of the filmmakers and writers out there, just want to know, you talked about writing to your strengths, something we hear a lot about in the industry. So can you chat a little bit about that? So did you have access to this cabin? Um, you talked about, obviously, you love the improv. You love the creative, funny, quirky sounds. You added all that stuff in. Talk about once you wrote the script, then how you pulled all these things together. Well, um, again, you know, going back to these supportive parents, and I'm in an extremely privileged situation to have parents who 
are so supportive. And, you know, the, the house that uh, they currently live in is the house that my mom grew up in. It's an old farmhouse up in Woodstock, New York. And it's sort of where my heart is. I mean, my God, my sister laughs at me every time, but I actually have a tattoo of it on my, um, on my arm. Um, I knew I wanted to shoot at home, you know, and um, I knew that I could make it a homey experience, a familial experience to shoot at some Airbnb in town while housing a few folks for free at my parents' house where my mom would go out of her way on her own volition to make breakfast sandwiches and you know host a dinner or five throughout the course of this movie in order to compensate for the fact that we're not paying like tier three rates on this movie. This was a very low budget film. So a piece of it was like, let's base out of this house I can get friends to PA or pull strings or cater. And that's exactly what, um, what I love about, you know, Mark Duplass and Jay Duplass specifically, and their sort of MO and the Bible that I kind of used that was like brothers, which is like, write to your resources, find a place, hire your friends. There was, there was a situation where, you know, Brendan Banks, my co-producer and my DP, who was essentially the director when I was not behind the camera, and he was my creative eyes and ears. Um, where we were like, if we don't get the money to do this, let's at least make the promise. Like, even if you're holding the boom and acting in it, we're going to make the $5,000 version of this thing. And luckily, once the script was written and with the state of the world and Get Out had come not that far, um, uh, not that far before this, this film went into production, we were able to sort of use a social commentary based film to sort of help you know, levitate or leverage our, our chances. And also for the cost, I always knew it was going to be low cost with, with few actors. Um, and luckily we, you know, we found an investor that a few investors that put us over the edge and made it possible. Can we say how much did it cost to bring this film to life? I can tell you it is so far below, uh, the fours and fives i'll just say it's like it's it is a low three figure a low six figure might as well be a three figure <laughs> um uh you know i think my our, our pr team would probably kill me for saying that but it was you know we went to i think five or six different investors to pull this thing together and it was honestly small chunks to make it possible um a lot of deferred payments all above board and everything i called the dga i'm, I'm a union member and i said hey if i had the money to make this thing, but it was absolutely tier zero, tier negative. Could I do this thing? And they were so helpful. They were like, yes, you, you can do it. Don't worry about the kind of, you know, this reputation we have of making it impossible for you to make a film as a, as a union director. It's, you can do all kinds of stuff, defer payment, you can make exceptions. And they were really wonderful to work with. And how many days were you filming? Because I think that's also part of the challenge too, right? When you ask somebody to work at tier one or zero or wherever as a screen actor, which I'm in the guild, SAG, and I'm trying to also produce and direct my own films. It's almost like, ah, it's hard when you're going, can you work at this rate? But then how many days are you going to have them on set? So what did it look like for Scare Me? Well, for Scare Me, Scare Me, we shot, technically we shot 14 days. But with the blizzards, of which we got snowed out twice, I think we had two half days. So it was essentially a 13-day shoot, of which I had Aya for nine days and Chris for two and a half days. Um, wow. And actually, Becky Drysdale, who plays Bettina, I had her for one day. So the one day, you know, it's like we start the day with her in the car. Then we have, you know, we do 
couple other things that you know, I don't, I won't reveal for spoilers sake mm-hmm. um, and truly block shooting. And when Aya wasn't there, my fiance, who is essentially my sort of creative collaborator behind the scenes, script noting and everything else, choreographing, um, she would read Aya's lines. So whenever Aya is not in the frame with me for most of the movie, she wasn't there. I was reading with, um, wow. I was reading with my fiance. Dude. You are really an incredible actor. I mean, it does not surprise me that you've you've almost been on SNL and 30 Rock. It does not surprise me at all. In fact, I think we need to take a quick little commercial break to spotlight some of Josh's uh, moments on College Humor. If you don't don't recognize Josh, uh, he has been in... I mean, millions of viral videos. Do you have a, do you actually have a number of how many videos of yours have gone viral? Oh, that have gone viral? I don't know. They're probably in, in the, in the six figure range. It's crazy. I mean, I made, I made thousands of videos over the course of seven years. It was the ultimate film school. So encouraging and cool to watch. So, so I picked a, uh, a video by College Humor called the most insane voiceover booth ever. Uh, can you be cooler? And this is just a, a great example of some of uh, Josh's ability uh, to create. And so let me pull this up again and make sure our sound is on. But if you want to go down a rabbit hole, just, <laughs> just Google this guy uh, with college humor and see some of the stuff he's done. Let's watch. Uh, Don't go too watch. far. Don't go too far. All right, here we go. Hey, Josh, thanks for coming in. Yeah, sure. Josh, it's going to be a couple of quick tags. I'm going to push a couple buttons back here, and we'll get underway in three, two, one. Three, two, one. Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. Great, Josh. Um, could you try it this time a little cooler, you know, like a, like a cool guy, right? Uh, cool. <clears throat> Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. I thought that was excellent. A little cooler, though. Your throat's sandpaper, all right? Get that rasp in there. Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. That was great. Just a little bit younger. Okay, Josh? Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. Okay. Just a hair younger. Tonight at nine, only on Vortex. Now you're a six-year-old who just got into a tricycle accident? Tonight at nine, only on Vortex. Now you're a fetus coming out of the womb? Tonight at nine, only on Vortex. Now you're the sperm about to puncture that egg. Tonight at nine, only on Vortex. I thought there was a lot of solid stuff in there. Uh, So I think we should move on. Can I hear what a guy in his 30s sounds like? Uh, Sure. Tonight at nine, only on Vortex. A guy in his 40s. Tonight at nine. Only on Vortex. Still in your 40s, recently divorced? Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. 50-year-old? Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. 50-year-old that fell down the stairs? Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. 50-year-old as he's falling down the stairs? Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. Wait, how about a 90-year-old? Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. 90-year-old man that just found a piece of raisin under his fingernail? Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. Same 90-year-old man, except now he has hot sauce thrown on his face. Tonight at 9, only on Vortex. Oh. Same 90-year-old man, except he's mistakenly taken a little girl and put her on his knee, thinking that it's his granddaughter, but it's not, and he figures that out. The 99, only on Vortex. 100-year-old man on his deathbed, surrounded by friends and family, blah, 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 about to die. The 99, only on Vortex. Can you call out to the light, Josh? The 99, only on Vortex. But remember, he's supposed to be cool, so. The 99. Only on Vortex. Good, I feel good. Do you feel good, Marcy? Great. Mm. We got a lot of good stuff in there, Josh. You're done for the day, pal. All right, thanks, guys. Tonight at nine, 
Holy unfortunate! That was awful. I'll call him back in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dude, you got a gift. You're... Memory lane. <laughs> Holy mackerel. I'm still doing the yeah, same stuff. It was fun man. to watch you laugh at yourself uh, as you were in the virtual green room. I love that. That's so good. So, My dude, God. I mean, I, I, yeah, you, I just, I'm so like happy to get to connect with you and know you and uh, see a little part of your journey here. I want to pull in um, some questions. So if you're watching, I see all of you are watching. We're getting some comments and questions. I'm just going to pull in some stuff. First of all, we got a comment. Veronica, she's been a part of our screenwriting group here with Brave Maker. I was actually recently talking with a friend about how women tend mm. to be pushed into very restrictive roles in movies where you don't get to be goofy or fun without it feeding into some stereotypes. I'm so thrilled to yeah. see that the female actress in this movie has such a refreshing role. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that, Josh? I mean, it's interesting too, in the first 10 minutes of the film, again, and we're not doing any spoilers. You, 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 when you see a man and a woman on, on screen, you go up, oh, what's going to happen with these two. And mm -hmm. it's cool and refreshing to see that's not really what happens with those two when you first see them. So do you want to say anything more about that? Uh, I think, I think again, it, it, you know, writing to my strengths and also writing to what I would like to see as a filmmaker and also self-proclaimed feminist, let's call it. Um, I, I wanted to set out to, and I think it's something that, that was a seed planted in me from very early on being one of the many dudes working at college humor, making several videos. In fact, video after video about boobs and beer and video games. Um, and I always, I think from, from very early on, actually Sam Reich and I were just talking about this. He's, you know, he, he now essentially owns College Humor. We were all rebellious to the name and we were all rebellious to, certainly as the years went on to, um, to sexualizing women, even though it was like part of the brand that we all sort of came into hire just as like people who loved movies and had a gig making, um, you know, making these sort of comedic shorts. And so from a, from very early on, I was excited about the idea and it sort of throughout the years conceived different um, series and platforms and just sort of means to work with actors um, to see them, to, to see different sides of their sort of talent um, I love the idea of upending expectations. And so it was important to me that, you know, there was very little, um, if not any romantic storyline in this movie. And it's about something just as uh, visceral, which is um, gender dynamic and co competition between, between men and women with that, the emasculation and, and the dangers of that. Question from Robertino. He's a part of our Brave Maker programming team. He says, did you think of casting a male lead or always had yourself in mind? Do you prefer acting or filmmaking? Maybe is he talking about writing and directing? Um, yeah, I, I always uh, had myself in mind. You know, it's another piece of, um, piece of that sort of puzzle moving forward. Hey, write to your strengths. Write a vehicle for yourself to sort of use going forward. So I always knew that I would sort of pull the Jim Cummings if we're using the Thunder Road parallel and do it myself. And also it's cheaper. I could defer payment at the very least as a director. I had to pay myself as an actor. Um, SAG was a bit stricter there. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I and I think I've grown to prefer filmmaking a little bit more, just a pinch more because of the, the control factor. You know, I, I, I like being a leader and I like 
I like going out of my way to make a comfortable set to make people feel feel good about them themselves. And I think that's from an actor's perspective, you want to be the director that makes you, if you were in the actor's shoes, comfortable. And that's what I that's what I really love about it. Beyond the control piece of it. <laughs> what was the one film you saw that made you want to direct? Oh my God, so many. So many of the movies that I that I saw as a kid, I think I just I don't know. I, I never really thought of it from that perspective, but probably one of them that comes to mind is defending your life. The Albert Brooks movie. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's just a, just a great film, you know, jaws, probably any of the nightmare on Elm streets. It's such a vast various uh, uh, spectrum of films. But I think there was something about each of those where I was like, wow, the nuanced performances and wow, the visuals, there was something about that. I had a, a growing appreciation throughout the years um, or sort of like, holy crap, I need to, I need to make something like these, you know, like these films. So different. They're all so different. And if you watch Scare Me, you'll see some of those things come through. It was, uh, that was a pleasure and joy to watch. It was. Uh, Christine oh, yeah. and I were texting late last night, like, isn't this, because I knew she was watching it last night and I was hoping we could chat about it. I was just chatting about how, how fun it was to have all these references. Mm. And as someone who's a you know cinephile who loves kind of going, oh, that's an homage to this. It was just like, you just you could watch it so many times and pick up so many different things. I, I'll be ask, I'll bring another question, but I have a question about something you might change or what you learned or if you would do differently next time. Mm. I'm curious about that. Mm -hmm. So stand by on that. If I were to watch this film as a double feature, what movie would you recommend as a companion film? That's a good Ooh. one. Well, um, that's a really, really good question. I, I don't know if this is the right answer, but it's a it's a movie that I totally fell in love with. Um, an awesome, um, an awesome woman filmmaker. I can't remember her name. I think she's based out of Australia or New Zealand. But Relic. I, again, I don't think this is like. It's a very, very dark movie, but it's very different, and it upends expectations, and it's labyrinthine and creative. Um, and you know, the through line of, of, of powerful genius women, I think she's a complete genius, this filmmaker, I wish I knew her name off the top of my head, but a relic I so love. Um, but if you're to pair it to, a to a, a more kind of a, a brighter film, probably the original creep show, Stephen King creep show. Right on relic by Natalie, Erica James. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. If cool, you're Baby, you're just gonna love, love all the nostalgia and references in this movie. It's so, so good. The story is so smart. I'm really curious. You didn't shy away from some pretty problematic issues, you know, just pretty directly addressing mm -hmm. white emasculated males and problematic behavior. What gave you the courage to say, hey, I'm doing it, I'm writing it, and it's gonna be good? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I ultimately wanted to set it to make something that wasn't preachy. There were a lot of conversations we had, but like, okay, let's have this not be like the preachy. And I keep referencing Me Too, and it's not necessarily a sexual abuse film by any means, but it goes into something more specific, you know, gender dynamics and, and, and toxic emasculated males, um, especially in the face of a woman's greatness. And I, you know, um, without spoiling anything, I think I'm, I'm playing a kind of average sad sack guy. I think I'm playing a very normal, um, normalized, uh, uh, man in this world. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing. And 
may, might be the problematic thing, but I think there's a lot of people who are going to watch this. And I think there were even some male reviewers. It was so important. We got female reviewers as well. Of course, there have been incredible male reviewers of this film who were triggered, who were like, you know, felt like we had gone after them. That was my perception anyhow. Um, and uh, so I, I didn't really think about it. I didn't worry about it. And I uh, quite frankly played to the comedy of it. You know, there's, there's peace. There is absolutely a piece of me in Fred. Um, and, and I loved sort of the icky feeling of not only bringing up the subject with other men, but just kind of going there and leaning into it and, and playing in that I thought was cathartic and, uh, and, and important. It was so, really yeah, to see, uh, to see Fred so vulnerable, to see, uh, how Aya's character really went after him in such a strong, determined, direct way. That was beautiful. Awesome. Thank you. Com complimenting acting is huge but also your sound designer and composer like all of the sounds that were mingled in and the sounds obviously that you were making i mean again i just mm -hmm. can't recommend this enough so for filmmakers in all of the the teams you know on the crew to watch this film and realize like how collaborative the filmmaking process is i just like i was just i had such an appreciation i was super super inspired by all of those things that uh that you did and so as a director of his first feature film that went to Sundance, so I want to talk about that too. What's something you learned or what would, what would you do differently in the future? Even like, you know, at a, at a high level as a director, but is there something you look at and you go like, oh, I wish I would have done that story-wise or anything. Is there anything that comes to mind? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know what I would have done different. I probably wouldn't have done anything different. The, the, the one thing I would have done different is probably made sure I knew what the breakfast was. Um, <laughs> I got there on the first day of shooting and it was the coldest day in eight years in upstate New York. And I walked in and God bless our incredible line producer and UPM, Andrew and Jen, but they'd gotten a breakfast that was mostly muffins and bagels and there was no hot stuff. So there was, there was coffee and the like, but, but you always have to uh, consider um, uh, food and caffeine, that is like the most important thing. And, um, you know, I, I didn't quite think of it. I had so many other stuff, so much other stuff to, to worry about. And we were extremely low budget. And this team was like, okay, we'll get the low budget option. You walk in on a cold day and we're like, holy shit, we got to make sure that, you know, there's never going to be not hot eggs. So that's probably it. You know, that's, that's honestly the one thing I would, I would, I would do differently. That's great. Oh, I dig that. I dig that. And then let's chat about Sundance. I was, you know, following on Instagram. I mean, every filmmaker goes to Sundance is going to have an emotional journey, but I remember one of your posts talked about, I, I, you choked up a lot this day. Maybe it was the day of the premiere. Just chat about that whole thing, getting the call going premiering, doing the talkbacks, anything stand out from that experience? It's a bucket list item for sure. Um, and I'm the kind of person who, I was having this conversation with Michael Chernis, who's in my next film, Werewolves Within, and we're talking about like, you know, yeah, that's, you, it's kind of this built up thing and it's kind of annoying that you're, you know, your picture taken and, and do all these kind of events. And it's sort of like, you can see people doing their job. Like, you know, they're sort of putting on airs kind of in a way. Um, to get your attention and pretending to be your friend, to get a great photo, to get a great interview. And you're kind of aware of that. I'm very aware of the, quite frankly, the bullshitting side of it. And, and that's not to say I'm ungrateful about it in any way. 
the best part about it was being there with my friends. I brought my best friend, Charlie McQuaid. I brought my, um, obviously my cinematographer, my co-producer, Brendan Bakes and his, um, his, uh, fiance Kelly and my composers, uh, Chris, um, uh, Chris and Phil, Phil Hernandez and Chris Maxwell of the Elegant Two. They actually, the composers, they've been composing the music for Bob's Burgers forever. And this was their first movie and they knocked it out of the park. Um, and so sure just hang out with them and go back to the condo after the craziness and after the, you know, that the, we, we were in a very privileged position to have been inquired by um, Shutter in advance of the Sunday of, of Sundance. So we would do a day of press and in fact, I wouldn't get to see my buddies. And at the end of the day, I'd go back and just like be in the condo together and talk about, wasn't it crazy that this happened? Or running into friends. All that stuff was the best part. And then, you know, beyond that, like the Sundance staff is incredible. Like I've never, well, definitely never been to a screening of any of my stuff where the technician leans down next to you. And in the first 60, 80 seconds of the film has a radio to the projectionist and says, just tell me if you want the volume louder or softer. And I'd say louder because Josh wants it louder. How's that? And the movie would plan to go a little louder. Josh wants it a little louder. Like that sort of stuff. And then, you know, last thing, like you get up on stage at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning and address a crowd and thank them and hear them clapping and see some friends and see new faces and the people who'd left because it was so late, you know, and all this stuff. And all, all the while, by the way, I have my mind on in 40 hours, I have to go back. I'm missing five of my eight screenings or whatever. I have to go back to Fleischmann's New York because I'm shooting my second feature for, you know, many more million dollars on Monday. Um, and so my head was in a, in a different place and I've left early for that reason. Um, it was, it was, it was great, but the best part is, was hanging out with buddies. And if you don't get into Sundance and you're going to hear this from a lot of filmmakers, it is not the be all end all. It doesn't mean you're not the great filmmaker you've always wanted to be at all. I never was before and, you know, may never go again and it is what it is, but it's, um, it's just an event. Beautiful. I love it. Well, we got a few more minutes. If anybody who's watching live would like to chime in, if you're listening uh, on the podcast or on the replay, you can always go and find Josh on his Instagram at Josh Rubin or his website is joshesmindhouse.com. But we always like to hear people share some just tips. You know, we're Brave Makers all about conquering your fears and just going out there and doing it. We don't need to wait for permission. You don't find your value in how many likes you get or what people think about you. You got to tell your story. That's what we're about with Brave Maker. Brave stories change the world. So be the story. You are the story. What thoughts come to mind when you think about those who are waiting or wanting or have an idea and maybe are finding themselves blocked in their own fear or challenges with finances or whatever? What would you tell them? What do they um, need to do? You have so many great resources, especially right now. You have you know, Rob Savage just made a film entirely on Zoom, and it's the biggest horror movie of the year. He now has a three-picture deal with Blumhouse. It's called Host. It's also on Shutter. Um, you have a webcam. You have Zoom as a program. Um, you've got um, narrative podcasting with a microphone and with iMovie on your computer or the Vimeo app on your phone, you have a smartphone, I know you have a smartphone, pick it up and shoot something and make something. And even if it sucks, you don't have to put it out, but um, you don't have to wait at all. So it can cost you nothing, it can cost you your time. 
Um, and, and, uh, I think the most important thing beyond just kind of, you know, trying to make stuff is collecting your network. So if we're to keep the theme of like being brave, you know, I think a big learning lesson I've had just in my life, is about who you keep close to you and who supports you. And there was a great quote I heard recently. It was on Instagram. I wish I knew what the source was, but like your friendship is activism. Who you keep in your life is activism. So there is a, there are those few toxic buddies or partners or whatever. We've all had them at one point. And if they, they give you the icky feeling and if it's consistent, it's okay to cleanse yourself of that human being in your life. And um, that's your own activism. You're serving each other. Um, and I think that's a big piece of overcoming your fears, frankly. Like you should be surrounding yourself and only hearing cheerleaders and not naysayers or people who you can tell the difference because your gut always knows like who's kind of urging you into that, like, you know, that positive get off your ass uh, and do it kind of a, kind of a motivation. Hey, Annie Kruger. Uh, your yay friend. So proud of you, Josh. That's great. Awesome. Christina, any final uh, comments or questions you have for Josh? Yeah. Without, you know, putting any spoilers out there that when it comes out October 1st, Super fun, super smart, crazy rewatchable. I uh, can mm -hmm. watch it right after this. Uh, mm -hmm. Best advice, really just jump in, shoot something, put it up. Thank you, said he had thousands of videos on YouTube. Like, that's wild. So it oh sounds, my God. sounds like a numbers game. So we just got to jump in, make something cool, have fun, and work hard doing it. You know, take inventory of your resources, what you have available to you. So Tony and I were just talking about that. Like, what could we do? You know, you said host was shot with Zoom entirely. There's a record button on Zoom. We can, we can make a movie, the three of us. I mean, with, with webcams separately, you're recording separate video, you edit it. I mean, I've been thinking about like, my God, there's a movie called The Designated Mourner with Mike Nichols. It's basically a play and you can shoot a three camera play and make it a product, you know, just, just get, get into the scripting phase and add music to that. Get a friend to compose it. Like we can be, we can be self-generating and creating even right here in quarantine and getting really, really creative, get out of your head and play with these new kind of different, you know, different things. Yes. That's beautiful. Get out your head. You'll end up at Sundance, get a three picture deal. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes please. <laughs> so good. So uh, those of you who now want to watch the film, go to shutter.com. You can sign up. Uh, well, actually, don't sign up yet. Sign up uh, on October 1st or the 30th of September and get seven days for free and watch Scare Me multiple times. It is so worth your time. Like I said, it's literally a masterclass. And it's not, you're not going to, like, hey, I remember watching Friday the 13th when I was a kid and having nightmares forever. I'm better for it. Uh, but this will inspire you. How yeah. funny that a horror film will inspire you. So take, take that. Uh, you're getting lots of love on, on the comments. So we really appreciate you being here, Josh, and wish you so much luck uh, in your future. Thank you. Same to you guys. And uh, if I could real quick, there's um, uh, an exclusive announcement about Scare Me. Uh, there is a behind-the-scenes podcast series that um, a, team, um, a, a team of creators called Ski Team, Donnie and Mike, um, Donnie Dykowski and Mike Bulger created. And it's a narrative podcast or behind-the-scenes podcast about the making of an independent film. 
and it's interviews with me. I think we're going to be about 10 or so episodes, um, about 20 minutes in length. And it's something that we're working on. And we're really excited to, to get out and show you. So once you see the movie, hopefully we'll, we'll get it out by Halloween or so. Um, you guys can hear interviews and, uh, yeah, and hear about, you know, the trials and tribulations and the kind of, you know, the ups and downs of it. That's fantastic. Okay. So we will promote that. So can we expect that to hear that from on your social media or on your website? Where would people absolutely. find that? Yeah, absolutely. As, as soon as I know, you guys will know. And I've heard that the, the teaser and the first episode, and it's really, really fantastic. They've done a beautiful, beautiful job. And it's a great podcast for just, just like you said, like to get off your, your button and make something and you know what to be prepared for. So I'm really, really excited to, to share it. Awesome. So yes, please follow Josh at Josh Rubin. Uh, And if you're again, listening to this on the podcast, follow along and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, we want to encourage you to hit that subscribe button and know that BraveMaker is a 501c3 nonprofit. We are totally dependent upon your generosity to be able to support the filmmakers and do the things that we do. You can go to our website and find out more information about who we are, bravemaker.com. Until we find a vaccine, we're going to keep doing these things online. Our Brave Maker film screenings are obviously on hold like the rest of the world, but we're pivoting. We're finding our way. Christine and I are making things happen and we're super excited. There are free uh, things you can get on our mailing list, bravemaker.com slash buzz. Check that out. We have sometimes free films that we put out there and free filmmaker interviews. And uh, until next time, we want to encourage you to follow, follow along. Say hi to Josh on Instagram and make sure you support Scare Me send it along it's a great halloween film we're really excited for him and uh thank you to all of you who watched and listened thanks for listening to the brave maker podcast subscribe give us a rating and share with a friend brave maker is a 501c3 non-profit organization our work is funded by generous patrons like you support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com Brave stories change the world. You are the story.